Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. This week, Marty was at PAX Unplugged, and I was at home with Concrud. So you know what you do when you have a cold? You grab a moon pie and an RC, and you listen to an episode of RDTN. Today, the guys review Sidereal Confluence, Necromunda, Bastion, and Fate of the Elder Gods. Now, if I pronounce those names wrong, I have an excuse. I have a cold. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 132, Coming Out of the Dark. I'm Marty. I'm Tony. Tony, coming out of the dark, I... Again, you you drop these names on me, and I'm looking over the show notes, and I'm not exactly sure why it's called Coming Out of the Dark. But regardless, Song Fight, Tony. This song was written by Gloria Estefan, and it was written because she barely escaped death when an 18-wheeler rammed into her tour bus. And this song was written about that near-death experience that she had. Wasn't the first time this was performed when she had made her first public appearance at the, I don't think it was the Grammys, but it may have been the American Music Awards or AMAs or something like that. It may have been because to be 100% honest with you, I don't even know this song. You don't even know this song? I do not know this song. Okay, do me a favor. And what I want you to do is I want you to play the refrain where she says, coming out of the dark, da, da, da. I want you to do that for me right now. Coming out of the dark, finally see light now, and it's shining on me. I see the light, I see the light. couple reasons why I picked this song. Number one, and the most important reason is my wife has purchased tickets to the shows or the musicals at our local theaters here, Knights Theater, Ovens, and all that. So I get the pleasure over the next six months of going and seeing musicals. And the first one we saw was On Your Feet, the Gloria Estefan story. I did not know that her husband, Amelia, was the was the full force behind that. I thought it was her. Did you know that? No. Uh, again, I'm a <laughs> Gloria Estefan. Ah, I know who you are, but don't know a lot about her. Oh, man. So anyway, went and saw that, and I was like, okay. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, that's influenced normally. It's from something I do usually gives me some idea of what I'm going to pick for the song. Well, this time, it was a game we played recently. Sidereal Confluence. As I was playing that game mm-hmm. and the math spreadsheet thinky part of that game, I mean, oh my heavens, our heads were hurting. But near the end, I was coming out of the dark. I could oh, see the light. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that because that was a game that just totally blew my mind. But uh, Tony, when I was looking up about this song, uh, it made me real, made me think how many other songs are influenced about death in some way. Tons. There's a lot, and and it's for different reasons. For for example, it could be the lost, uh, losing a loved one. For example, Eric Clapton, "Tears in Heaven," uh, was written about the the death of his son. The song uh, "Show Must Go On" by Queen was written right at the end of Freddie Mercury's life, saying, "Look, I know that my time here is about over." but the show must go on. And then there's just generic things about death. And one of them just being, look, you just got to accept 
Death is going to happen. Just deal with it. And that's where Blue Oyster Cults Don't Fear the Reaper came from. But they also let us know that if you have a fever, the only prescription for that fever, Tony, is... I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, my gosh. Okay, everybody, you hear this? This is maybe why we should rehearse before we come online. I set up Tony for the perfect, the perfect reference to more cowbell, which we've been introducing this year because of our survey from last year saying we need more cowbell. I came back to its root beginning, where it came from, and Tony just flipping drops the ball when I throw it to him, giving him the exact quote, the line from the skit from Saturday Night Live, and he just goes, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen that skit in many, many years. Many years. So I could, I'm sorry. You're right. I dropped the ball. I fumbled. It was a fumble ruski. I completely failed you on this. And I apologize because I, I haven't seen this game forever. But I was watching the Mississippi State versus Alabama game oh and they were God. playing the skit on the Tron. What? Mississippi State should have come, should have held them. Yeah, I, I know. Because and your wife uh, is had- a grad. She's a grad. Well, we had a uh, game day here yesterday, which we're going to talk about a lot of the games that we've played. And after you left, Tony, this game was on. And Vanessa, my wife, was upstairs watching this football game, a college football game between her alumni, Mississippi State, and number one, Alabama. And she was yelling and screaming. It was so funny. We were down in the basement, and we kept hearing, no, get him, stop, no, oh, (laughs) Oh, no, we were just dying laughing. Now it's just, I thought for sure they were going to win. So I had to console her later because later, cause she was pretty upset about it. But yes, the reason why you mentioned that is because Mississippi state fans at their home games, everybody brings a cowbell and rings cowbells during the game. So that's their thing. And did you know if Alabama had lost yesterday, had they lost the last time the top three ranked teams had all lost on the same day or whatever. 1966. Bite me. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea we're going to be talking about that. And I pulled that out of my butt and I set up a gag that we've been running all year long and you fail me with that? What do you mean? I failed you with that. What are you talking about? All you had to say was more cowbell. And then you know what I was going to do? I was actually going to play the little, little cowbell jingle that we have, but I'm not doing it now. So people a year ago at our survey said, we want more cowbell. So we're going to find these cute interactive ways to interject cowbell into the show. And now they don't get a cowbell this episode. Are you happy with yourself? I'm fine with it. I can deal with it. But you know what I am happy about? What? I am having a celebration drink right now of original <laughs> Coke Zero. <laughs> That's right. I still have some cans. For those of you who are members of our Facebook page, you can see us do our blind taste test where Marty and I scored a victory over Coke. And we guessed correctly. Coke Zero versus Coke Zero Sugar. We won. That's right. We did it. We are connoisseurs of a soft drink. Let me take a big gulp here. I don't know. I don't know if connoisseur is the right word. But yeah, so yesterday during our, our game day, we said, we're finally doing this. So we set up a little... Uh, the camera and everything like that. And we did a, a live stream on Facebook and we had uh, some a blind taste test between Coke Zero and Coke Zero Sugar to determine 
Could we tell the difference between the two? How does one taste better than the other? Both Tony and I guessed correctly on which one was Coke Zero. Uh, and I was shocked. We uh, It was pretty exciting. And if you want to go see that, please go check out our Facebook page at Roll Dice Take Names. And you'll see the, the video clip there of us doing that taste test. So uh, once again, we fulfilled that promise. We dropped the ball with the more cowbell uh, promise. But we did provide the taste test, as we've been saying the past couple episodes. Okay, move past the cowbell thing. On to a more serious note. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, so in the past episode, you talked about how Toys R Us was bankrupt and had yes. to file for bankruptcy along those lines and how they're slowly getting product back in. They're getting ready for Christmas. And after bankruptcy, they seem to be doing better. But I sent you a link. I don't know if you went and read it. But there is a major growing concern about the big box stores and the boom that they suffered that most of their debt is coming due in 2019 a debt to us uh, suppliers is that what you mean or to finance people to oh, okay uh, to uh, debt on their you know they went out and borrowed a bunch of money to get a bunch of um stores built and things like that and then all of a sudden now by 2019 it's looking like a bunch of their debt is coming due where they're going to have to get back you know give the money back repay that debt and they're finding out, and Toys R Us was one of the first that said, uh-oh, we really can't do that. Mm-hmm. Our profits are down, so let's see if we can borrow money again to cover that. So, or extend it, you know, borrow some more money and keep paying on interest. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get the money. They couldn't get the interest rates are high. People were not willing to loan them the money. Well, a lot of this is going to happen to other big stores. I mean, we've already seen what's happened to Sears. We've already seen what's happened to Kmart, but there's JC Penney's and, you know, just a whole lot of other stores that are along that line. So like the housing boom of 20, 2008, we might see some more changes in the retail market. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, look how uh, online stores have taken off, right? I mean, this is a, a conversation that we've had a lot just within our own hobby here. How are the local game stores doing? How can they compete against your miniature markets and your fun again and your and your cool stuff, Inc.? And the basically difference is, is it may not be in the getting a cheaper game, but it's providing a service to the community. And Tony, you and I are very fortunate here that our two closest game stores that we have now provide a fantastic service to gamers. They provide a place to play. They provide events. And we've seen that those that did not, and to immediately come to mind, that did not provide that service are now gone. Well, I mean, you don't give service, you're going to lose customers. I mean, to the point where Carolina Tabletops there in Pineville is able to expand. Yeah. And then the other one, your local game store has just moved to a brand new location because they needed more room. So I think it's it's great to see. I, I totally see what you're saying about the big boxes hurting because it's hard to compete against Amazon. I'm, I'm sorry, I like to buy local too, but if I can go out here and buy batteries at half the cost of what I could by walking over here into Target or whatever, I'm going to try to save myself some money. But then on a smaller scale with the, you know, with the gamers is that's why they got to provide something else. If it's not in the cheaper cost, what other services are you to provide? And for gaming stores, it's hopefully for providing an environment uh, for gamers to come and enjoy themselves. And I mean, where else you don't have to go out, you don't have to pick it up. And I mean, you can like, you know, like right now, here I am, I'm showing you my, my, my leisure pants there. <laughs> whoa, 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 what is on that? That, it's it's Spider Man, Beast, um, you know Captain America, Hulk, 
So, yeah, got those from Kohl's, buddy. $5 off the discount rack right there. And Tony's wearing his jammies. I'm wearing my jammies. For this recording session. It's Avengers. I guess it's the Avengers. Uh, yeah, it's the Avengers. Avengers with Spider-Man. Well, well, yeah. Isn't that what we saw in the movie? I don't see Ant-Man anywhere. So And Daredevil and uh, Black Panther. So, uh, you know, hey, at $5 well spent. Oh, maybe spent. it's just Marvel pants, because I guess at some point in time, probably Black Panther was with them, but... I don't... Yeah, I don't care. So... <laughs> yeah, I don't care. But, you know, our buddy Scott Morris, um, he wants to make BGG a Pajama Pants Thursday. I saw that. I'm so, I'm curious to see... This episode will come out after that, but I'm curious to see if BGG is Pajama Pants Thursday... Uh, I'm not a big pajama pajama pants guy. I would not partake in that. Why not? Because they're so comfy. They're warm. They're fuzzy. They, they are they are comfy, but that's something for me and myself to enjoy in my home and not prance around. I can't stand going to stores around here and people walking in in their pajamas and some people wearing like uh, night shoes, not night shoes, what are they? Slippers. Walking in the store with slippers and their pajama pants. What is going on? What kind of society do we live in where people just can't put on some pants and some shoes and go shopping? I don't know where I'd put my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> so are you telling me I cannot wear my pajama pants at your house at the next game day? No, you cannot. I look, I'll allow, I will allow a lot of things, but you coming over here in pajama pants, I couldn't. I, I couldn't even think straight. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I wore a squirrel suit. I can wear pajama pants. <laughs> you did wear a squirrel suit, but that was for Halloween. So that was that was totally different because there's no way I could keep uh, keep any sort of concentration that's needed for the game that you mentioned earlier. Sidra, Sidra, hold on, hold on. I've got a um, YouTube video that tells me how to... Sidereal. Ah, Sidereal. <laughs> I got to play it in my ear to make sure yeah. I get it. Sidereal Confluence, which is a crazy game from WizKids Games oh. that we got to play. In fact, oh. Tony, I had no idea. Hold on, I forgot I'll say it again. Hold on. Playing the uh, YouTube uh, thing. Sidereal. 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 I didn't realize that was a real word. So I had to look it up. It has to do uh, from the dictionary of relating to or expressed in relation to stars or constellations. Okay. Sidereal Confluence. Now, this game came out at uh, Origins. And I remember a lot of people talking about it going, wow, this is this is a crazy game. And it's looking at the table. It's like there's. There's a lot of cards and stuff going on the table. There's no board. It's just cards and stuff all over the place and a bunch of cubes. And so our friend Chris brought this out and said, you guys want to try this? We went, yeah, 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 sure. We'll, we'll get this thing. He said, it's an engine builder. And we, Tony and I are like, we, we like our engine builders. And he said, well, first, uh, it's an asymmetric game. So here, pick uh, which, uh, which faction you want to play. And he gives us this sheet going over each of the factions and what type of player it's recommended for. And I thought, uh-oh. I can already see this is going to be a little bit deeper than what I thought it was going to be. And so we grabbed our factions and then all of a sudden we're knee deep in this thing. And, and Tony, my mind is just reeling from that experience. I, I don't even know how to explain this thing. First off, don't be scared of it, people, because I mean, it's simple from the standpoint of what you got to do. It's simple. It is. Yeah. Think about well, it. You're, no, yeah, but okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you off. Keep going. Okay. So, I mean, what? There's the trading phase, then came the engine produce phase, and then the bidding phase. That's it. Oh, yeah. Sh- sh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you break it down like that, no, 
okay, okay, I'll give you. Yeah, that is, that is totally. It's not it, a heavy it, game. It, 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 no, it's not. No, it's not a heavy game. But my gosh, there is a lot going on. There are a lot of decisions and choices that you have to make as this game is going on because every faction starts out totally different. You've got these machines. The idea that these cards you have in play are machines that you use to run during your economy phase. There's an input to these machines and an output. You input these certain types of cubes, it's going to output these certain types of cubes, and typically they're more valuable. It's turning raw resources into into better resources, right? Or, or more of one resource of another. So it's trying to effectively create an engine to create the resources that you need that ultimately is trying to create victory points because there's these there's certain points of these engines that create victory points. So you're trying to get to the point where you could just have a victory point generate machine. But the thing is, Tony, is that as these cards are played, you have the, these machines that the, the rules tell you, by the way, you're not going to run every machine every turn. That's not the goal of this Can't game. It. It's to effectively, if you have 10 machines on the table, which ones are you going to run this turn to effectively get what you need to maybe set up the next turn. And that's the insane decision part of this game. Or better yet, which machine do you want that's going to produce the resources that you need or Nate needed or whoever needed so that he could run his machines the next time? Because if you have that, then you're able to negotiate or have better trades that come back to you instead of a one-for-one. And that was also part of the game. You've got to look, okay, what's Marty trying to produce? Oh, he's trying to produce white cubes, all right? Or he is producing a lot of white cubes. So my machines, why don't I build up machines that could use a lot of white cubes so that he could help me, and then I could help him and generate the victory points. And so you've got to get that going through your head too. What does everybody need and how their engines change over time? You've got to be able to change your production as well. Because at the first, I mean, I was sitting there, I was sucking y'all's white cubes in, and I was producing the green cubes that were needed by everybody for some odd reason. I don't know, but it was black and blue and yellow cubes. There were cubes everywhere. We could have, we had a whole bunch of cubes. And that to me was, you know, part of that. But then the thing that what blew my mind, it wasn't so much which engines to run and all like that. It was when certain things were invented, developed by the players, they got that machine for that round. As soon as they did, they did it in the trade phase, they got it. But everybody else gets it later, gets it in the next round. Those machines are needed to upgrade other machines you have in front of you, and they're all interlinked. They're all sitting there, and you got to decide, okay, if I upgrade this machine with that machine, I lose this, but wait, this machine could upgrade that machine, and you're like, that's where I was in the dark. <laughs> well, and to me, that was the coolest aspect of the game. So incredible uh, aspect. Incredible. During the during the bid phase, you can bid on colonies, which are planets that produce resources for you. And they can also be you can also spend colonies as a cost to maybe upgrade machines or something like that. You bid on planets or colonies, and you also bid on these technologies, like Tony said. And if you get a technology and you develop it, uh, number one, that's one way to, to develop. Uh, victory points early on you develop technologies you get bonus victory points by doing so and then you get to utilize it that turn but like you, you said tony is after that is over everybody goes through their deck of cards for their faction and pulls out that invention so if you invented uh i can't think of what one of them was um some translator i know one of them was some sort of translator everybody pulls out the translator card and puts it to play and here's where the game gets crazy after a while because you keep getting all these new inventions each turn 
And then you have to look at them and go, well, is this something I want to use or utilize? Or, oh, ooh, 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 I see it if I, because I have this in play, I can now upgrade this one. Like you said, oh my gosh. And this game is only six rounds. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got to be pretty quick. In fact, the bulk of the game is the negotiation part. Right. We set about a 10 minute time limit for each negotiation phase. There's five of us going, who needs red cubes? Who needs blue cubes? I'll trade you two of these for those. And it was just insane for 10 minutes. And that's probably, wouldn't you say, that's probably the most important part of the game because that's where you're going to get your resources to run your engines ultimately. Yeah, and sometimes you may have to sacrifice running a engine to allow you to do something later. So you need to broker that trade and make the deals that you need. And then some of my favorites were when somebody would broker a deal with me and then turn around and broker that deal. And then you could just see everything. Well, why didn't, why was he a middleman? Because he had an extra cube that that person needed. And that was just the the fun part of the game for trying to make and score those deals. You know, for this game, you're right. Victory points is the winner. Hey, victory points, whatever. For me, the success was, did my plan work? Did it come together? And so I was in the dark. I came into the light when on the last two rounds, it actually was working. Then I got in the dark. I started out in the light. And by the fifth and sixth round, literally, I'm just sitting there looking at, I don't know, 12, 15 cards on the table in front of me going, holy crap. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what what in the world do I even want to negotiate for? And the negotiation time starts, and I'm scrambling, I don't even know what to ask for. It is, it is a, let me tell you, it's one of those games that I would say, and Tony may not, you may not agree, I think everybody needs to try this game once. Because it is that different of a game. It is, it is, it is a social game. It is a bidding game. It is very much a economic game. It's a bunch of different things crammed together that I think actually works pretty darn well. Yeah, I agree. I think if you enjoy the engine building aspects and you want that interface with one another and not that, oh, let me just stick to my little engine over here and I will manage it. Then, you know, if, if you don't want the trading phase, then definitely you do not want to go here. You need to stay far, far away. <laughs> and it's very asymmetric, meaning um, it's really hard for us to say, hey, let's review this game without honestly playing this game a lot because we'd want to play the other factions because they are all so different. Everybody has their own deck of cards and different abilities that they start with each game. And it's almost like a vast, right? It's hard to play vast once and get a good, you know, get a good reading of it because you need to play it multiple times to play the other roles. Kind of the same thing here. And I do recommend you probably want to play with people that you know and people that you like, because I think if you play with strangers or grumpy people, I think that will uh, hurt your experience. So play with a lot of people, play people that you might want to play Twilight Imperium with. You know, that won't, you won't get ticked off or upset because you traded with them, but they didn't trade with you, you know, that sort of thing. If you got the right group, I do recommend sitting through trying this. And like Tony said at the beginning, the rules are really straightforward. There's three phases and you go through them. It's kind of understanding the iconography and how all that works, but it's just the mechanics of once you get into those phases and the best way to utilize your resources and, and get everything going. If you enjoy doing Excel spreadsheets, 
this game's for you. Yeah, Tony kept calling it the spreadsheet game because I guess it really is what it is, right? You you got a bunch of Excel macros <laughs> that yes. you're trying to you're trying to kick off. It's like, well, I need to put in these inputs here, so these outputs spit out over here. And here's the thing: is uh, this is actually a good thing. All machines run simultaneously, so it's not like you can run them in series where this guy creates this, so I can run this next machine with what came out the output. They all just run boom at the exact same time and generate the resources all at once but then they can be used next round so i had no idea what to expect from this game and i was kind of critical of it until i got through the end of it i'm going okay that was a really fun experience um it is one that's with five people it did take us you know here's the thing if you know what you're doing with five people tony if you set a 10 minute time limit don't you think we could probably finish in an hour and a half yeah once again our length was due to the understanding each of the machines and what our options are. Once you know what machines are coming, and that's another thing about this game, since the machines come out sporadically, you don't know which ones are coming where and who's going to buy what machines. Man, you talk about changing replay. I mean, the replay is always going to be there on this. So yes, I I would agree. Once you know the machines and what they can produce, this game will fly by, fly by. It was a game that for me, and the reason why I said that I got into the light was because I was able to produce what I needed for the next round. And everything else was fodder for trade. That's what made me feel good about what I had accomplished. I sucked. I didn't win. I wasn't even close to winning, but that's okay. I enjoyed the experience at the end. And isn't that what it's all about, Marty? It's not about winning. It's about enjoying it. No, you're right. Which is why I wish we had not played Samurai Garden. Oh! Okay, in defense of Samurai Garden by Osprey Games, what game made you laugh the most throughout the day? Oh, Samurai Garden. Now, this game, yeah, you can you can pull out the, um, it wasn't a game for you. Uh, because first off, it required dexterity. And that, no, you know that. No, stop it. Stop know. it. Uh-huh. Do, not, do not start this whole dexterity crap. It has nothing to do with dexterity. I don't like games where I'm slapping the table. And slapping cards and cards flying all over the place. No, don't give me this dexterity crap. <laughs> and the fact that you had to go, E-E-O, and you could go out and slap oh a my card. my gosh. Go ahead. You talk about it. I'm just going to back away from the microphone. You talk. So, uh, yes, this is not a game for Marty. I'm not really sure. I, I enjoyed playing Slamwich with Rebecca when she was little. We would. Did you ever play Slamwich? Get back to your mic. Get your butt. Roll your back up here. <laughs> I, I did not. You did not play Slamwich. All right. So basically, you know, you're flipping cards. You're right. It's war. That's really what you're trying to do. And you're trying to build a garden to score multiple points. And I think a lot of things were lost on us because the funnest part was there was a mistake in the rule book and that was took longer than playing the actual game, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. A, a simple game like this should not have an issue in the rule. But there was this whole thing about diagonal. When you put down the, and here's, I'll just, tell you what it was in the in the rule book it says uh, it gives you rules for putting your cards down it says that when you put a card down it must be adjacent to another card or cover up some other squares on the cards but cannot be diagonal but in the diagram it shows placement of cards and what's legal and it showed the diagonal as being a legal move that's what was really throwing us off yeah diagonals don't matter or don't count It didn't say you couldn't do them. It says they don't count, which is the same thing. Okay, fine. Be that way. But you're trying to score. You get your pawns, your gardens, your other items. I think this is a good game for 
young families that move past Slamwich, where you've got that interaction, you're slapping the hands, things like that. Now, for a bunch of old men sitting around a table waiting for someone to show up, no, this was not a game for us. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. And didn't we determine at the end that you could score the same stuff over again that's yeah. already on play? Yeah, because there's no way to mark it. So, yeah, if you continue to build up, and that's how that game ramps up. So if you have four pawns in a row, and then you put the fifth one in there, you could score it again and get more points, mega points. And that's how you quickly could do that. We did like – here's the thing. That was the most <laughs> talked about game of Saturday. So I guess I can't say too much negative about it because when it's the most talked about game – how bad was it? Well, that, that's a good. It was just funny trying to figure out these rules and and slapping the cards and e -E and, and, and yelling EEO because everybody's got to have their hands in a neutral spot on the table. Somebody else EEO, then everybody slaps the card, and that's the one that they get. Uh, whoever slaps it first is, is is that one. I guess when I saw it, the card is looks like the card from Honshu, which I really really enjoy. And I was expecting, you know, something more along that line. So, so if you enjoy those types of sandwich type games, then go look at it. I mean, it is, I think, in the next step in an introductory type game for young young kids, plain and simple. Now, I do have a bone to pick with you. Oh Lord, what? It's not a bad bone. All right, your game table. Yeah. In order to reach across that table, we all have to stand and and you know go get bits and move and move stuff around. So because you've got a, a four by six table, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Last night when I got home, I went to bed and I was like, "Why the heck are my thighs hurting so bad? What is going on here?" And then this morning when I was out, you know, mowing the grass and doing things, I'm like, "Man, my legs are just sore today. I didn't do anything but play board games yesterday." It's your stupid table. What? I had to keep standing up. I'm, I'm tall. Standing up to go reach a piece, sit back down, stand up, reach a piece. It was like I was doing squats all freaking day yesterday. You know, you could have just asked somebody across the other side of the table, say, could you please hand me that? Well, they were too busy negotiating with someone. I was going to reach over there and take a look at because I had to get up and read the card. Or better yet, I had to reach over and get, the, get my elder god guys, my cultists. Don't even go there with me. And I had to work off that incredible <laughs> apple pie. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I shut you up, didn't I? I knew how to shut yeah, you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah okay, this is pretty good. Yeah, so Vanessa made some, put some chili in a uh, crock pot yesterday. And, uh, and she said, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to make something I saw on Facebook. Simple recipe for something called uh, cinnamon bun apple pie. And I went, okay, I'm intrigued. I like apple pie. And I like cinnamon buns. She said, you, you take out cinnamon buns and you flatten them to make the bottom crust, do your typical apple pie filling, and then top it with another layer of flattened cinnamon buns or cinnamon rolls. And then you put it in the oven and, and bake it and then cover the top of it with the, the little creamy icing that comes with the cinnamon buns. Oh my gosh, that was good. Yeah, I almost had to. I almost missed out on a piece the way you boys were scarfing up piece, and I was setting up a game that we're going to talk about later this month. I'm over there setting this game up, and you boys are over there. I'm like, good gosh, what in the world going? I mean, you know how people will eat and put the plate up to their mouth and just scrape. That's all I was seeing. I'm looking around. Hey, can I get some help here? No, uh -uh, we're too busy enjoying this dessert. Did you get a piece yet? No, I haven't gotten a piece. Well, you better move because you ain't gonna get a piece. <laughs> My God. 
<laughs> we see that pie was gone, gone. And then Vanessa got some ice cream to put with it, and you know, cold ice cream with that hot pie. Oh, and the, and what was so cool was that top, uh, the cinnamon buns on the top were a little bit crispy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like a crisp crust crust. I could say that so real fast. Crisp crust on top, and then a a a smooth or a, a soft crust on the bottom. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. It was a good thing I was having to do squats all day. <laughs> Whiz. Luckily, uh, it's gone. Uh, Travis went, my son went and finished off the last piece, so it's gone. But uh, Vanessa said, I'll be doing that again. I said, well, it was a hit, so uh, please do it again. So she she treated us too, too good yesterday. She made it a homemade cheese ball and all this. So she's the hostess with the mostest uh, when it comes to that stuff. Yes, and I mean, oh, because it was just an intense game. Matter of fact, we got to play a new co-op game that we saw at Gen Con called Bastion. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Bastion from Z-Man Games. Marty and I got to see it at Gen Con. We got excited about it. We got to play it. And let me tell you, it's a co-op, so you guys know that's right up my alley. You got to kill the monsters before they breach the wall. Yeah, I'm going to keep it simple, Marty, but that's what I do. Executive summary, I like it. This was a game that when I read the rules, I'm going, I, I don't know. The, the way that you kill the monsters by collecting mana, it just it just didn't seem to, to click with me. And when you look at the board, the board's kind of cool looking. It's a it's a hexagon board. And so there's, there's six sides, and with each side, there's a district. And in the middle, there's a citadel. What happens is, is these monsters come out of this deck, and they come up to the walls. Each wall section of each district has four slots where monsters monsters go and they they come out and you got to defeat these monsters and you got to do it by getting rid of mana of the same color that matches the monster's strength in order to defeat it but tony what i liked about this game is the way that you collected the mana because that was the thinky co-opy part yes i mean you've got to go out to the various districts and you got to place a mana disc on an obelisk and it will generate three of the color in which you place your mana disc on it will give you if you put a blue disc on a purple obelisk it's going to give you purple and you need that purple because there's purple monsters there's red monsters i really liked how we had to co-op together to figure out okay if you need that color i better not go there because on my turn i'm going to move and i'm going to go collect this mana and so that we can defeat these monsters we really had to strategize on where we were going to be because these monsters are moving around the board at each of everybody's turn and a new monster's coming out so we had to think about that and then we also had to strategize okay if all three of these get full how am I going to get mana? And you were like, oh, guys, this is it. You got to go to the tower. Yeah, exactly. So each uh, district has a tower in it. So once uh, you go there, you can, as one of your actions on your turn, you can move, you can attack, or you can try to collect mana. You put a token on uh, one of your tokens from the pools onto the tower, and it collects all the mana that's on the obelisk that Tony mentioned into your pool. And so that's how you clear those off so they could be used for later turns. And then the way that you get the discs off the towers, the mana off the towers, is somebody goes to the middle section, the citadel, and as part of their actions, they can collect all the tokens off the towers and put them back into their pool also. So that's how you clear those off. It's that mechanic right there that 
was mm, that was the sweet spot of the game for me because everything else is kind of generic. It's very castle panicky. You got monsters coming. You try to defeat the monsters. You keep them from running over the castle. And if you do, you win. If not, you lose. But it's how you defeat the monsters and the mana resources that I thought was really neat. Yeah. And you got to defeat the monsters because when you defeat the monsters, you can enhance your spells or you can build items out there in the districts that can either generate more mana for you or reduce the amount of mana that you need to kill a certain type of monster. Very strategic from that standpoint as you build those structures because you've got to think, okay, what colors are coming around the board? So once again, it's like, okay, you need to go defeat him so you can put that foundation over there so that I can get this mana. Oh, by the way, as you put those tokens on the mana, if we all have those three colors there, that helps me later in the rounds. I mean, I was very surprised at how much strategy was involved in this game, Marty. I was pleasantly surprised because when we first thought out, I'm like, how's this different than Castle Panic? How am I going to, you know, get this so much better. Really enjoyed it. And I love the simplicity of it as well. Even though there's strategy, I'm really thinking, hey, this is a very good family game. I know you're going to take it to Mississippi with you. For sure. And what's nice is it's a solo mechanic and it goes up to four players. And all of us, when we finished the game, we all looked at each other. That was just a puzzle. I mean, isn't that what it is in the end? It's yeah. a puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've got to create these colors in order to spend to get rid of those monsters before the the end of the game. Because as these monsters come, comes out, they keep marching around to the gate. And if they if there's no places for them to go, they've breached and they overrun in, uh, into the castle. So it's a great little puzzle game. Uh, I, like I said, I was just pleasantly surprised. And I will t- definitely play this game again. And there's even more to it. There, there's different levels, Tony. Mm-hmm. We saw just a few levels of monsters. There's legendary monsters to make the game even harder. So you can make this game easy or super difficult. And weren't there scenarios in it as well that certain things had to happen? Yes, there were scenarios in the back that said you can set up the deck this way and do this yeah if you're looking for an upgrade to castle panic something that's a little bit more meaty that's a little bit more puzzly this is this is it i tell i really enjoyed myself and i can't wait to play this again and on my side of it i'm thinking this is a great game to put on the shelf now it doesn't need any more doesn't need any cowbell but it is a fun game and i know my wife would enjoy it five minute initiative is complete Black Friday's right around the corner. Start looking for all those big sales at the game companies. And you know the Broken Token's going to have something out there for you. So if you don't know what game to get somebody, be smart. Pick them up, an organizer that will help them get their favorite game to the table. They've got a ton of games out there that's listed on their website. An organizer will fit it. Go out there. Look at the list. Go look at your buddy's game shelf. See what he has. See what he's missing. Say, you know, if you had an organizer for this, we'd be better off. We'd get it to the table more. The Broken Token has that problem solved for you. TheBrokenToken.com All right, Tony, Tony, you you know how I've been wanting you to play uh, Shadespire from Games Workshop? I swear, I think I almost stepped on a bunch of freaking models in your basement (laughs) the other day that you got scattered everywhere, drying from the primer coat to whatever Travis was painting next versus what you were, I guess you could call that painting compared to Travis. I don't know. Oh, oh, throwing shade on my painting. But it was, yeah, you're right. He's a good painter. He's a good, what is this throw shade stuff? I need to watch your Fox TVs or something. I don't know what that is. 
<laughs> you think I learned my lingo from television shows? Uh, Fox CW. I don't know where you're pulling that stuff from. I didn't know. I didn't know what you're talking about from the last episode. Look at him throwing shade on Plaid Hat. What are you talking about? I don't know. But anyway, yes. Shade Spire. Yeah. Yeah. Shade Spire. So, okay. Well, eventually I'm going to get you to play that. But, but I'm so excited because we got a copy of a game that's like 20 years old. It's being re-released called Necromunda. Have you ever heard of this? I saw it sitting over there on the table, but that's that's as far as I heard. And you've talked about it a little bit. You got all giddy when you started talking about it. Yeah, it's, it takes place in the 40K universe. What I like about it is small uh, skirmishes. I like my, instead of these huge epic battles, I like my little small skirmishes. And this is like 10 models per side, alternate act, uh, activations. Uh, but it's very much a miniatures game with measuring and every everything like that. Well... When I went to my slumber party for the PAX convention over at uh, Jamie's from the Secret Cabal, I got a chance to try it out with Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, from Matt Evans from Board Game Replay, and we got this on the table and tried it out. And I said, guys, we've got to talk about this. So we recorded uh, this upcoming segment where we talked about our thoughts about the game, some history of the game, everything. So thank you to Jamie for letting me use his studio. Thank you for the guys coming on. And Tony, maybe after you hear this, maybe you'll finally be interested in trying it. I'll tell you what, you can teach it to me right after you finish teaching me Shakespeare. Deal. For many of our listeners, you know that over the past several years, I've had some issues with Games Workshop. I've complained in the past about how even though the games may be good, it's hard to get into. The cost of the games is tough to get into because the models are so expensive. There doesn't seem to have there didn't seem to be a face on Games Workshop, but but in the past year and a half, I've seen a total shift in Games Workshop. They came out with the Age of Sigmar, which kind of was an update to the Warhammer Fantasy. Brand new 40K system this year that was taken off like crazy. And now they've started introducing all these other little games in here. You know, you know I'm a big fan of Shadespire. We just talked about it earlier with Tony. And they started bringing back all these old games. And one of those that a lot of people were excited about that is just now coming out is Necromunda. And I'm excited to have some people here today that I just played our first game with and we're going to give them first impressions. And I'm also excited to say that I am sitting here recording in the studio of the Secret Cabal! <laughs> Gaming Podcast. And joining me today is one of the founders of the Secret Cabal, Jamie. Hey now everybody, welcome to the studio, Marty. This is it. This is plush. They have like a wet bar. They've got a massage chairs over here with masseuses. It's incredible what these guys have done with their Kickstarter funds. That's exactly right. I use all those funds just to <laughs> make my day pleasurable, <laughs> not to make great content, just to make my day comfortable. <laughs> and it's working. Also joining us is Matt from Board Game Replay. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Wow, that was exciting. And also joining <laughs> I don't us know what you want to say. Thanks for setting the bar low for me, Matt. I appreciate that very much. I'm just trying to help you. Also joining us is Rodney from Watch It Play. Yes, great to be here. And I hope every time I'm on a guest as the Rolling Dice, I can come here instead. This is really nice. Yeah, this, this is really nice. It's not going to be a, a thing now. Okay, so let's kind of set the table here. I'm going to. Oh, we're going to eat. 
Good. Yeah, no, we have not had we lunch yet. So much of that. Let's please just chill with the eating. All we do is eat. And in fact, we're getting ready to head on the road in a couple hours over to Pax, which is a couple hours away. And hopefully we're going to meet some people there and have a great meal tonight. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, because we haven't had lunch yet. Yeah, but let me set the table for what we've got here. All of us were excited about trying Necromunda, but in different phases. For example... I never played the original version of Necromunda, nor have I played Shadow War, which was somewhat like Necromunda. Jamie and Matt, I don't believe you played the first iteration of Necromunda, but you played Shadow War, correct? That's correct. And Rodney, I'm going to come to you first because for months you've been telling us, guys, with this new revamping of Games Workshop and everything, they've been coming out with a lot of great products, but you were saying, please, please re-release Necromunda and they've done so. So what? why did you want Necromunda to, to come back? What was it about it that you said, I've got to play this game again? Well, I mean, it had a special place in my heart, certainly, because it was my first miniatures game I'd ever played. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly why it grabbed me initially. I think it was the box cover. I walked into the store and I saw like all these giant <laughs> dudes and dudettes and they've got guns, they're blasting each other away. I'm like, what is this? What could this be? It's this big, giant box. And I'd seen people play miniatures games before, but this one, I guess the theme kind of grabbed me. I bought it. Found a bunch of my friends, roped them into playing it, who'd never played miniatures games before. And I think it was just because of that setting. We had these small gangs. It wasn't like 50 models on the table against 50 models. It's like a small gang of six. I name each one of them. I equip them with what I want. And so it's a very personalized kind of experience playing this game. And we just played months and months of this game. And the thing that was special about it is it had a campaign system. So you'd play one game, and maybe one of your guys gets wounded and it's like his arm's blown off for the next game. And I love that sort of persistency that carried on game to game to game. Everything sort of mattered. Everything, when a guy died, you cared because that's that's Grog, the guy that you built or whatever, right? And so we just had a great time playing it. So knowing that Games Workshop was going to re-release this game and potentially update some of the rules, I was happy with that because, look, game design's come a fair distance in the last 20 years. So I wanted to see what they were going to do to bring this game back to a new audience, potentially. Jamie, I know you love lore and fluff and everything like that. So where does Necromunda take place within the universes that Games Workshop has given us? It takes place on a planet called Necromunda. And the gangs, as Rodney was talking about, these just these punks, these gangs, they're the, the, the houses of the the world of Necromunda, right? Like so, it'd be like noble houses, right? Who are all different, um, basically manufacturers of various things that come from this world, like guns and and ship parts and all sorts of things. So these different noble houses have these basically like these underlings and these these rotten gangers that basically fight for. Uh, over the, all of these things, these gangs are, or these houses are always fighting each other. And the Necromunda, this version takes place in the Underhive, which is underneath, you know, because in Warhammer 40,000, a gigantic planet, like a hive planet, is just layers and layers and layers and layers of city. So as you go up the city, not I'm talking up towards the sky, there's just layers of city. And the Underhive is way down at the bottom where it's, you don't see the sun. Uh, like everything is noxious gases. This is where all the garbage is dumped. This is where, you know, like the toxic sludge is on the ground and these people are living in this and fighting in this. So that's sort of the Warhammer 40 K like the brief overview of what Necromunda is. And yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal down there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Matt, uh, you played shadow war. And yeah. uh, this was kind of a, an extension. And, and Ronnie, you said, oh, you know, what's cool about Shadow War has a Necromunda feel. 
Yeah, it basically is like the old rules for Necromunda, but brought to like using the 40K models of today. Sure. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, just kind of an, uh, an overview before we get into how, uh, what Necromunda is and how it played and everything like that. Did you see a big difference between the old Shadow War and Necromunda to justify us? Like, well, we already had Shadow War. Why are you bringing out this other game, which is somewhat similar to that? I think right off the bat, uh, what Jamie kind of had mentioned about the theme and what Roddy had mentioned kind of about his initial reaction, like seeing all these people and these crazy gangs with mohawks and flying all over the place and shooting guns and diving through the air. That theme alone is so different from what the Shadow Armageddon stuff offers. You know, Shadow Armageddon is like a 40K, um, you know, I've got, I, I, when I played, I played a Space Marine Scouts versus Orcs. So it was a very different thematic feel, first of all. Uh, you know, Orcs have like their like barely like duct taped together pistols and stuff, whereas these guys have these really like, these big axes and hammers and these like bone saws and all the gangs are all like brutal and like it's very like kind of an aesthetic difference between them first of all yeah hugely aesthetic difference and then obviously there are rule differences more more so of an upgrade than anything else um the original necromunda rules uh were very similar to the second edition of warhammer 40k and that's shadow worm again was almost the same mechanically um it was so the biggest change was uh, bringing to necromunda is the theme i think first of all but then now they've shifted a lot of the rules and they've updated things and it's kind of just a I don't. I definitely don't want to say streamlined because it's definitely still a very crunchy game. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They've kind of they've polished it up a lot, is how I would say. And they have a much fuller, I think, campaign system than the Shadow War did. Oh yeah, in Necromunda, right? Definitely, yeah. And I will say to follow up on Matt's Matt's thoughts there that what's good about Necromunda that I was actually worried about for a long time now because we knew that Sh- uh, Shadow War Armageddon was was Necromunda with forty k military soldiers, right? And Necromunda was coming back with a new rule set. And I was worried. I was like, oh, there's so many people like Rodney who love Necromunda and are waiting for this thing to come back. But what I will say is there aren't that many differences. It's better than Shadow War and the original Necromunda, but it still feels like it. It felt like I was playing Shadow War Armageddon, a guy who has never played Necromunda before, knowing that Necromunda is actually Shadow War technically. So if you're looking for Necromunda, the old school version, it feels like you're going to be happy with this one. I agree. Yeah, I think, yeah. I agree oh, when I was playing, I felt like, oh, I've transported back about 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again. That, it was like that again. There's a pre-order that's, well, when this comes out, it'll already be out, but you can pre-order a base box. Necromunda Underhive, I believe, is just what it's called, For and sure. it comes with two starting gangs. Am I using the correct terms? That's right. I keep yeah. looking. Yeah. Yeah. House Adam's, Goliath and House Escher. Right. Correct. And House Escher is these uh, really tough ladies out there with whips and guns and sniper uh, what's how Marty name? likes them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then on the other side of the glass, these big bulky brutes carrying around guns and hammers and, and machine guns. And I think I, I like that because it's like you got one that seemed to be, and this is just impressions from the first game. Uh, the Eschers seemed to be gun heavy. They were really good with weapons, yeah, snipers, and everything. Yeah, the Ness. The Goliaths, me, Jamie and I played together. We play a two versus two. You and I played the Goliaths, and Jamie's like, I'm going in there. I'm going to go in there and just start busting up some heads. I'm crazy. I want to get <laughs> in the comic. Let's go. Yeah. I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. It was working, that tactic. Uh, to get into this game, there, there's a couple things that uh, you will have to, to get over and that is one of them there's a lot of assembly in this now oh, yes, uh, yeah. i talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. how much of a fan of of shades bar i am one of the, the the benefits of that is you could take those models and put them together instantly in fact this morning uh when we got up matt was putting together <laughs> one model <laughs> come on now from necromunda <laughs> in the same time Jamie opened up his box of the new orcs from the Shade Spires, put all four of them together, was sitting there admiring them, and Matt was still there gluing together one <laughs> yeah. model. Now that's not that's not putting down Matt's skills. I'm just saying that 
This is, is a real a miniatures bit. game. There's a lot of little parts, and you got to do a lot of gluing. You can put down Matt's skills, because I even <laughs> went through all the cards from both boxes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And assembled all four orcs before one house. Rodney back me up. That mohawk was tricky. Like, getting the heads to fit on the mohawks just right, it means... Matt's Depending trying on the to model. stick the square peg in a round hole. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It like, was a little <laughs> tricky, Matt. Yeah. Sure. Depending on the model. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. oh, man. <laughs> That's no. love. He went straight to Rodney for some love and support. I'm sorry, and, Matt. And, and Matt Rodney was sarcastic. <laughs> Ain't no love in this room, Matt. Come I'm on. sorry, Matt. Come on. Because you and I were assembling those models together before we got here. Yeah. And uh, I think I was I was like three miles ahead of your one model. So I think yeah. even with that. But the, the point, though, still stands. These are very detailed models. They're not push fit. you got to glue them together. Absolutely. I did find the assembly, Jamie, you were doing. I think you were really loving putting them together, right? It was were, amazing yeah. putting these models together. I've put together thousands of models in my day. I've been playing 40K, Warhammer Fantasy, War Machine, Malifaux, games for, for years now. It's been like 15, probably even close to 20 years that we've been playing miniature games. So I'm used to assembling models, but I have to say, particularly just Games Workshop in general, their models are so easy. Now, it is tedious. Hmm. There's a lot of pieces to put together, mm. but it's like putting together just a perfectly fit puzzle, right? Like you just like put them together and you're like, oh, it goes right together. And it looks you know? so good. So and detailed, so much detail. On and it was yeah. funny. Yeah, you, you mentioned that, uh, Matt, as you were putting your stuff together, maybe going like, how does this go? This doesn't even make sense. So it was like, pop. Oh, it snaps in just yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie had actually warned me. He's like, oh, yeah, they're all, sometimes it's like that, but then you'll just twist it the right way and go, oh, there it is. And that's exactly what it's happened. Perfect. I was having trouble yeah. with one part, and I just spun it around enough, and I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. It fits together 100% perfect. Because you'll look at a lot of these miniature games out there. I, I talked about Malifaux is one that I used to play back when they had metal figures, and War mm -hmm. Machine had metal figures. And, man, like, it wasn't like that. It was so, it was like, you got to, like, finagle it and get it in there right and sometimes you had to glob some of that green stuff on it to make it look good mm -hmm. but no these are they fit together perfectly if you were starting out in miniatures games workshops where to start even though it's a little expensive i think it's really where you should start because it's just a dream to put it together yeah, and they look so good you'll be very proud when you're done yeah yeah, yeah. and this base box contains everything you need to get to the table it's not like you got to buy this and start buying all this other stuff before you can play a game because each gang has 10 models that's correct? right i'm asking yep. you. there's boards uh for, for putting out and making your maps and everything they give you some terrain like there's some doors and some little obstacles that you can hide behind they give you a lot of cards and they give you the dice and the rules and everything that you have ready to go right out of the box and i mentioned rules so let's jump to that real sure. quick honestly i was expecting when i hear a small number of units skirmish game i'm expecting rules to be a little bit lighter a little bit more streamlined uh, and my son travis uh, and i have been playing 40k and i'm still trying to get the understanding of how this works and everything like that so i thought oh okay necromunda is going to be the quick game i just bring to the table and maybe i'm thinking too much shade spire because shade spire is like that i think shade spire kind of ruined you a little bit in that regard it, right it did yeah, it did that would ruin marty <laughs> is that what we can <laughs> just one of the things but, but what, what was it before shade spire is my question yeah. Uh, Rodney, uh, you got brought back a copy of Necromunda from Essen. Yes, so you right. got it f before all of us did. And sure. you were start 
sort of pouring through the rule book and you said, guys, I'm going to put together this guide, which condenses all the rules into one <laughs> nice little document. And that document is like 14 or 15 yeah, pages yeah. long. It's about, it's about 12 pages plus like reference stuff at the end. But what, see, the thing is the rule book sort of separates the rules into a, here's an easier start play and here's the advanced rules. And so what I did is I wanted to mix it all into one document. So I'm not flipping between them. But yeah, no, it's, there's a lot of meat on the bones of this game. And so you shouldn't look at it and go, it's skirmish, small model count, so it also means small rule set. It really is meant to be kind of a complicated game that allows you to have all kinds of dramatic things happen. Like doors can close on a person. You can push someone off of a ledge and then they can fall in a hole. They can fall on top of another model. So there's all these rules for all kinds of things. Oh, there's a there's a box over there I want to open. You smash it open. Suddenly it's got a trap in it or maybe it's got uh, something you need. So all these little extra layers create all these group, cool situations those situations all need rules, right? So there's a lot happening here. In fact, you uh, it was either you or Jamie that said, this game feels a lot like an RPG for miniatures almost because in RPGs, there's like a rule for yeah, every I, little thing I that was, you can do. I was trying to get you in the right, because when you were concerned about the, the rule space, I was like, well, you've played some role-playing games, so think about that. Think about a role-playing game. When you go into a fight there, you got to think about, can I see them? How many miles around me? Oh, I'm going to grapple them. So now there's grappling rules, and then there's all the spell rules, and I got ready a spell. So if you start thinking of the layers in a role-playing game, okay, well, if you're comfortable with that, just think of that. That's this for a miniatures game. Yeah, and there's like crates you can go along you can try to bust open the crates or yeah. try to pick the the crate locks just like you can in like a regular role-playing right, game right. and you can see what's inside it might be something that helps you it could be a booby trap just like in a, a role-playing game so there's a lot of uh rules uh in there that kind of covers like every situation and is just trying to keep all those straight so yes. today when we sat down and started to play and like i said it was jamie and i playing goliath on one side each of us controlled uh three models each yep yep, yep. Three miles each. And then uh, uh, Matt and Rodney also had three miles each of the Escher. And we started playing. And it took us a while for you to kind of walk us through the rules. And that's with some of us, probably Matt and Jamie, maybe more than I had, already kind of looking through the rules and kind of see how it plays. Sure, I mean, it may have taken a little while to get into it rules-wise, but it didn't take long for you guys to start complaining. Immediately. <laughs> like, oh, oh, look, look, at, look at the side of the table Rodney's sitting on with all of the, the, the terrain block and everything. I was hearing all this quacking right away. Oh, so now we hear the rule. Oh, he yeah. didn't tell us yeah, before exactly. we decided what to do. Oh, wait, guys, you Thanks, want to open up that, that crate? Oh, we got to roll a die for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way. I have to say, though, I really, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I really enjoyed... The game is typically you'd play two player, one person against another one, right? But for this learning game, we split, like you said, we split the gangs up. We, Me and Matt were working together. We each had three models. I felt as a way to learn the game. It was so helpful to have a partner. So I'm looking at something on my card. He's confirming something in the rules. I felt it made it go a little smoother. I didn't feel like I had to manage six gang members right away. I only had to manage three. And I found it to be extremely fun to right. coordinate with a friend. Yeah. You know, we're sitting there and like, yeah, like Marty's got the guy he's like attacking with him. I'm looking, oh, oh yeah. Like, oh, remember, remember Marty, you got that, the, 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 the furnace plates that give you the, the save there, you know? So we were bouncing that off of each other. So it made it easier to play, but it was also a lot of fun yeah. to sort of be, have that camaraderie of a team there. Definitely. So I think if you're looking at the game going, it's a two player game. Oh, I, you know, I don't have, I want to play something with more people. I think you can. You can play this four player and have a really good time playing it that way. For sure. Yeah. It's yeah. a crunchy enough game that there's there's enough for you to keep track of that it's nice to have a teammate there. Yeah, you know, I and, agree. and have, you know, me and you, Rodney, we was it's fun to have somebody to celebrate those big wins <laughs> with, like the big roles, or in these guys' case, like complaining about everything when right. they roll poorly. Yeah, yeah. Like they got somebody to commiserate with. So That's it worked right. out well. Yeah, you think you're funny, Matt. You're a comedian. <laughs> Don Rickles over here. He'll <laughs> taste the sour grapes in my mouth. A, a little bit. Here. Oh, yeah. so, a little salty. A little salty. You know, salty. Matt was talking about the crunchy rules, right? And I want to. And I wanted to bring this up actually. Okay. 
Necromunda is two games in the box, technically, right? Like it's got yes, good point. It's got the basic game and the advanced game, which is the advanced game is the real game. That's hmm. the one that they're putting out. But they give you in a basic game, which gives you those boards and like the little pieces of terrain and things. And I have to say that I was very surprised that the basic game was so advanced. <laughs> Definitely, yes. yeah. As much as I loved it, it was really complex. Now we and we were, but we were playing the advanced game. So within that that box, oh, we, we were we were playing. I, so we were playing. Oh, my the, bad. Then no, we were playing the full thing. That's why it felt so heavy because we were playing. Okay. Every, we were playing right, everything. So in I was there. unaware of that. all the rules. All right, well, thanks for pointing that out yeah. to me on the show instead of before. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, now that I look like an idiot, thank you, Rod. I appreciate okay, that. I'll, I'll edit that out. No. <laughs> so one thing about this, yes, there is this base box, mm-hmm. but beyond that, there's another rule supplement that came out called Gang War. Right. What is Gang War? Well, for people who are familiar with the old Necromunda, they will remember when you bought that first box, you got all kinds of 3D terrain and they're cardboard 3D terrain. And you don't get as much of that in this box. You get plastic terrain that's more at the base level. So there's one mode of play that comes in the box, which is a full game, but it's all sort of played at one level. If you buy the gang one more plane, right? One plane like on the ground. Right. You're all on the ground. It's all like tunnel combat, I think. And that's yeah, sort of yeah. thing. you're running through the tunnels. Now, if you get the Gang War supplement, now you can add 3D terrain in there and have levels and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And you could be jumping across platforms and climbing up ladders, climbing up ladders and walls, pushing and people like off <laughs> into a chasm. That's right, exactly. Yep. So it, it introduces that 3D element. So that's a separate thing you do have to buy if you want that added to your experience. You don't need it, but that's what you need if you want to have that part. And it also gives you the full campaign rules if you want to play game after game after game. And there's a serious amount of fun in the basic rules. With we didn't even crack Gang Wars. No, we didn't. No, no this, for, for this yeah, game, no. it was everything we're talking about comes in the base box, right. and it was a ton of fun. In fact, that's why I want to play it that way because somebody who wants just to get the base box, you know, okay, there's just something else. But what we played was what you would experience. Yes, mm-hmm. and you talked about crunching. It, it for sure is because every character has a stat card, which I love. But there's a whole line of stats along the top. Uh, of a bunch of different stats and everything. Some of it almost feels war, uh, RPG-ish where you have intelligence and, and coolness yes. checks and stuff like this. Each weapon has its own set set of stats. And when you go into combat, it's not a simple, quick roll-off. Uh, there's, there's more to it than that, somewhat like in 40K. So would somebody want to walk through like a quick, if I want to shoot Matt, what are the steps it takes to go through just to kind of show the in-depth uh, rules that you have just for taking on somebody and firing. Okay, so say you charged a person. You charged in there with two weapons. You get in there. Okay, so now okay, you're looking so how many... charging instead of firing. That's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, that, it's more complicated. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so you charge in, right? So you look how many attacks do you have? All right, so you have one attack. Okay, so since you charged, you get the charge die, which is 1d6, and you get your number of attacks, 1d6. You got you got two dice there. Oh, I have two hand weapons. I got a, an axe and a hammer. All right, that I'm going to dual wield them. I get another die. Okay? So then you roll all those dice, and you're looking for your, your weapon skill. And your weapon skill is, say, a 4+. So you're looking for a 4+. Now, you got, you got two of them right. All right. So now you have to see, okay, what's the other guy's toughness, and what is my strength of my weapon? And then you compare them and you get a number. Say, oh, you still need a four plus. So you have to roll again. See if you wound And now. then see if yeah. you wound them. And if, okay, say now we have one wound out of that whole thing. All right. So the other guy says, all right, well, I'm, I got these furnace plates on. So that gives me a a, a, a save, a, an armor save of five plus. You roll the dice. Oh, they failed the, the, the saving throw. So they're going to keep that wound then. So then 
you have to roll another die that is a a wound die that shows whether it's a, a, a you know a flesh, flesh wound, wound yeah. or a serious injury or if they just outright die. Yes. Uh, and then if you, it's a flesh wound, they're fine, but they lose some toughness. If it's a serious wound, they fall f- back down on the ground. And it freaks out their, their partners. And it freaks out their partners. And yeah. their partners are like, oh my God, my friend is down. They have to make a check to see if they, like, they keep their cool. Am I cool enough not be bothered by this? It's actually called a coolness <laughs> yeah, check. Yeah, right. Other figures who are nearby who just saw their, their friend go down. Everybody's going, be cool. Be cool, man. Be cool. <laughs> and then, okay, so say say all of that happened and you didn't end up wounding. They they made their, their attack, their their armor save roll. Well, then they get to do it back to you because you're in melee combat, right? Yeah. So it goes on one more time. So now I say that we were talking about how complicated that combat system is, but what that does is it gives you a lot of granularity in the build of your character. Your weapons have different uh, abilities and statistics, and they affect the dice rolls. Your armor, you might not have armor, you might have armor, so on and so forth. So all of that stuff, though it is complex, makes the game very deep and rich because you can outfit your guys in any way you want because beyond just this base box, you can buy more guys and you can outfit them however you want. You can put a bunch of grenades on their belt. You can put a a big set of armor on them. You can put a gigantic gun or you can change the gun out to two swords or whatever. And all of that affects that combat in some capacity. So gaining complexity gives you options, which is part of the coolness factor of many of Games Workshop's games like 40K and Necromunda and Shadow Armageddon and all of these. Now, I think one of the appeals to me for Necromunda over, say, 40K, because, again, uh, one reason I was able to grasp uh, some of the rule sets of this because 40K has a lot of the same stats, has mm. some of a lot of the same mechanics of when you do your your firing and you do your what you know your ballistic strength and checks and all that. But what it adds to this, and, and Ronnie, you mentioned earlier, was with the game ward, it adds this whole campaign mechanism. Right. And I think that's one of the appeals of, of Necromunda and I don't know if maybe you've read it more than anybody else, but could you give kind of an overview of how the campaign system is going to work? Yeah, I, I haven't read all the way through that book yet, but basically you're going to have your your crew, your gang of models, right? And I and just want to point out, like the, the starter box that you get gives you 10 models for each gang. So you already have some flexibility there because when you go into an actual fight with somebody, you're only going to take maybe six of them. So those other four models are the guys who are back at the other gangs. You're picking and choosing which six you're going to send. You're going to combine them in a certain way and go off in that fight. Now, some of those guys get seriously wounded. Then between sessions, you have to find out what kind of wound they had, and that will carry over. Maybe in the particular scenario, they were able to capture one of the other figure's models. You can actually take someone's model. It stays with you. You can then choose to barter to give it back or send that guy to work to gain you more income. Mm. So you sort of enslaved that guy you captured and you put them to work down there in the underhive for you type of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and then, then you might play a, a scenario after that where the guy's trying to come back and save that guy that got taken, mm-hmm. right? So the, yep. the, the scenarios will combine and, and, and carry together. So you just basically have the, these figures that battle to battle will also gain experience so that between games, you can level up certain stats on them, make them better, give them better equipment. You can go into town and go shopping. But not only that, you also have like a headquarters, it's not physically represented by pieces, but you sort of write down on paper, I've got like my headquarters on the map, and you might gain other territories based on the places that you fought. And that will give you more income. So there's all kinds of stuff. I haven't gone deeply into it. But there's a whole bunch of stuff waiting there for someone who wants to do that kind of campaign system and, and give you all that kind of stuff to grow over time. And you can make your campaign long. It could be like six games. It could be 
it can technically go indefinitely, mm-hmm. but they sort of recommend, you know, stick it to like two or three months and then just start a new campaign after that type of thing, right? But And that's what's a lot like a role-playing game, right? You can play yes. a role-playing campaign with your guys and it's mostly just tactics combat, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So cool. Yeah. And they've introduced a lot of little mechanics in that, thinking that you're going to be playing through a campaign in such that our little one-off game was affected by one of those rule sets that we kind of, it kind of, uh, tainted our experience in that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So halfway through the game, or three quarters way through the game, uh, Jamie, you and I were just getting destroyed. We couldn't roll. How many ones did we roll? So I many. rolled five roll ones in a row from the very beginning. Like my first five rolls were ones, and I was like, okay, this is awful. I was starting to feel bad because like we were we were crushing, and I was like, you kind of look at Rodney over there giggling, just giggling. <laughs> he was, and I was, he was giggling like a schoolgirl over there, like, I was like feeling, laughing at our misery. I was feeling a little bad about it, but then, then you guys started to come back. Oh yeah, we took out one of your characters, and Jamie and I were off talking to the side. Hey, you know what? If we do this, we're going to really set up a really cool turn next time. We were getting ready for this big ambush right in the middle of the board, yeah. but then at the end, because we had lost some people. We had to do a check, and I can't remember what the well, name. Bottling of the, out check, bottling bottle out yeah, check. bottle test. Yeah, and apparently in England, when you the bottle test came from the fact that you were so scared that you were driven to the bottle. Oh, is that what that <laughs> oh, wow. is? That's, that I means, have no idea why they call that. Oh, yeah, because you, you're you're so war wacky that you have to you start drinking. That's oh, so no funny. Way. That's uh, that's something <laughs> I, I, heard. I, I Armageddon campaign. I had no idea. That's so funny. I just <laughs> that kept might saying be the most test, valuable yeah. thing that comes out of this whole discussion. <laughs> honestly, I, that's that's incredible. I don't. That's most, I, I don't hope know that I'm right because I remember that <laughs> being the case. But uh, if I'm wrong, uh oh. <laughs> if you do this bottle test, if some of you guys start dying, you do a bottle test just to see if the whole gang starts to get freaked out about the way things are going, right? And if you fail that bottle test, then at the start of future rounds, you have to do this uh, coolness check again to see if guys start just leaving the battlefield. Yep. They weren't killed. They just leave. They go, I'm out of here. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So <laughs> yeah. Jamie and I set up for this a massive turn. I remember we're like, oh, we just got to get initiative. We can just get initiative. I'm going to charge in here. We're going to do this. We're going to do frag grenades. We're going to lay waste. And Rodney's like, well, wait a minute. We got to do this bottled out check. Then Rodney's, oh, here now. Oh, we got to do, we gotta do this cool from Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> so we start doing the coolness check. And Jamie, we what felt like three, three times. And that's just it. The models are off the board. They're just going and Jamie's on. like going, well, that was kind of anticlimactic because we were getting ready for this really cool battle in the middle, and the guys just went, nah, I'm done. Turned we around were, and went home. We were outnumbering them to, at that point in this area, and we yeah. were like all like closing in on them. We, all we had to do was open fire, and they'd be dead. And then they decided, this is too much for me, man. And they head out, and they they, they just bolt. And like, what They went to get some drinks. Yeah. That yeah. was frustrating yeah. even for us to watch. It just You guys lost 75% of your remaining army just... But, you, but then, we like lost then, we, then we did too. Then, then yeah. y'all lost a couple. And then all of a sudden, we were having this big, you know, four on four, four on five battle. Then ended up like three on two. It just became this like, which one of our gang members is not going to run away? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I got to say. two on one. It, it, it went down to literally it two, two on one. one. That's yeah. right. Two on one. I got to say that I didn't dig that. Yeah. I loved yeah. every bit of this game until that started happening. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? The, it just took away the game. It's like the game was just about to hit climax cool and it just pulled it away from us because of that. And I understand what they're trying to do there. They're trying to make campaign games not go on for six hours, you know, because a a 40K game can go on for like two, three hours at a time or more. Uh, depending on how slow you are, right? This game, they're trying to keep it shorter games. Like they're and and for a campaign, 
your guys would want to leave because they wouldn't want to drop their die on the ground and drop all their guns. <laughs> and be and dead. you wouldn't want to yeah. lose your dudes yeah. because you got to pay to get more, right? So you're going to want to bottle out. Many cases in Shadow War Armageddon, like Matt was talking about, you want to lose the game because you're like, okay, I got to lose this game now so that I don't lose all my guys. Yes. You right. know, so I understand right. why it's there, but for a one off game like we just played, it just kind of killed the fun. I agree. We had, we had our whole, the whole session took was about two hours and 15 minutes, which included our, le- our learning. So I think we all felt like, oh, once we all knew this well, this could be a 90 minute skirmish match, which sure, sure. was pretty yeah, easily, good. Easily. But yeah, it, it felt like something was sucked away at that moment when, when, they, when the guys just started departing. Like they so did. there's no reason why you couldn't sit down and, and play. We say we're going to play a one-off, and by the way, we're not going to worry about the bottle out thing. Right, yeah. we're just going to fight we're, until we're, our guys. We're just going to fight yeah. until we complete the scenario objectives, and whoever has the most points or last man standing right. or whatever wins. So it doesn't technically affect most of the game. Now there might be in there somewhere like a, an ability that some guy has that lets him do better on that. So then that cheapens that character right. because he's no longer mm-hmm. oh, using all point. of his abilities, right? So that's when whenever we talk about house rules and things, I always think that. I'm like, mm. what in this game would be affected by that not being there? Right. I don't know if there are because I haven't looked at all the characters and maybe there's skills later on, but who knows? Matt, we're getting ready to go to PAX Unplugged. And I know that you and Joel Eddy from Drive Through Review have, have planned this massive 40K game. All right, and you, you've been prepping for this, and you two guys have been talking online and talking some. In fact, you've been talking in another level that I just can't even <laughs> comprehend it anymore. I'm sitting here trying to learn how to play 40K, and I'm reading through some discussions between you guys, and I'm my my eyes just glass over because I just I just can't keep up. So, as a person who's gotten really into 40K and enjoying it and stuff, what would make you? play one over the other. It's like, why would you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to play 40 uh, Necromunda today because... Uh, well, first of all, I mean, I'm... The, the biggest game of uh, this will be the biggest game I've ever played of 40k it's only going to be 1500 points which is which is still like, I have like 40 models on the table. That's a lot and the biggest difference right off the bat is, is small model count. You know, Necromunda is six on six most of the time and you've got a small model count. You've got a relatively small area like the... Well, we were playing on like a two by two Two by two for Something that like intro one, yeah. like two mm-hmm. feet by two feet yep. for this one. And I thought that worked really well for Necromunda. Like it was a good tight combat, lots of good cover to hide behind. Uh, 40K is just a different animal. It's very much, it's it's a hobby game almost. You know, it's a, in a hobby in itself. Assemble, Matt. A lot more models <laughs> to assemble, a lot more models to paint, a yeah. lot more little rules to remember for each individual army. And uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is setup and teardown is very different. It's just, it's a much more involved game. I think Necromunda is very much more towards the board game side of of miniatures. If, if there's, you know, if it's kind of, it's somewhere in the middle for me where 40K is like, that's a go, going all out miniatures, Necromunda, and then you has got a board game on the left. Necromunda is somewhere right in the middle for me. But I, I'd say still a little bit more towards the mini side just because of the assembly and the little, you know, some of the fiddly or crunchy rules and stuff. But definitely a big difference. For you two guys, what's going to bring you to the table to play Necromunda over, say, 40K or Age of Sigmar or whatever? For me, I mean, certainly I have the nostalgia factor, just going to appeal to me, right? And I'm going to be happy to go kind of back into that universe. But I mean, I really do like that aesthetic and I do like the small model count. And if the games are like between one and two hours to play, that's going to be very appealing for me being able to play on a more regular basis because that's probably what my, my life can afford. One or two hour miniatures game type of thing with a friend, maybe once or twice a week to be able to do a campaign. And I kind of like that whole campaign system. I love that, that there's going to be that connection between our games Every time we play a new one, we're building on the last one we played. Everything matters. That's going to be fun, I think. I think my major thing that I would, reason I would play this over Necro, uh, 40K, any of them, even like War Machine or many of those, is these characters truly have personality if you put them into it. If you put that into them, because you can have that, and that's what you're supposed to do. If you look at the old 
pictures of people's old Necromunda models. They have their name written at the bottom of the base. Right on the base edge. Yeah. 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 And like it's so, it's a name that that guy made up. Bender and I would play Shadow War Armageddon and we would have all you guys like that. We'd have a Rodney and a Marty and a Matt and a <laughs> yeah. Jamie and a Bender and a, and a Steve and a Chris and a, everybody that we know were, were our dudes. And when you go into combat with a guy that you created, like an RPG character that you ha are invested in, it becomes a personal thing for you. And that guy starts to have a story of his own. And since it is only like 10 guys or 15 guys, if you expand out and make a couple, get a couple more guys, you can really spend the time to make those personal connections with your miniatures. You, I'm, I now have a personal connection with this toy. Yes. And when this toy yeah. dies, I feel bad. And that's that's really where this game's going to come in. Because even in Shadow War and 40K, you got a Space Marine standing there. He's a guy in armor with a big helmet. You don't see his face. You don't really know his name unless he's a named character, but he's been named for you. This is a personal experience miniatures game. You make all these guys your own. And the miniatures themselves have so many. We didn't really talk about this, but like different heads, head styles, hairstyles. You can yeah, really yeah. go like, I want to put this hair on this one. I want to put the gun in this position. You build everything from the ground up. So by the yeah. end of it, you're looking at that model. It really feels like your model. You know? Yeah. And you could put whatever gun in his hand, whatever item in his, in his his on his belt, you know, whatever clothing you want on, like, as in like you could paint it up, you could put little things on and all over the place. It's a very personal game. I agree. Yeah. You know, it becomes your own. You yeah, make definitely. it what it is. And I think that's different than most games besides a role-playing game. This is the closest thing you're going to get to that level of personalization. And that's yeah. fun. And personally, I think I'm I'm kind of along, along the lines with you, Matt. I get intimidated when I sit down to play 40K, even with the Dark Imperium box, just seeing all the models there. And intimidated is like, I need to get all these painted. I need to get all these assembled. Where mm -hmm. where it does take some assembly for the, the Necromunda also, it's just a lot fewer. And it's like, hey, I'm going to go buy this new gang. And, and there will be future gangs coming out. I'm not sure of the release schedule or anything like that. But more gangs will come out, buy a gang, assemble them. And like you said, create a story around these guys. And, and you go in and play this game. So... Uh, and starting to wrap this thing up, let's say Joe Gamer walks in here right in the middle of the floor. Well, get out. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Joe, that's, that's first. Shut the door behind you. Joe, if you're this type of gamer, you will like Necromunda. Or Joe, if you're this type of gamer, you may not like Necromunda. How would you answer that? Joe, if you hate assembling miniatures, you will not want to play Necromunda. But if you're looking to dip a toe into assembling miniatures, this might be a decent start because it's a small model count to get started. If you played Shadespire, for example, and you really like that and you don't want something much more complex than that, Necromunda might not be your thing because it's not going to be a simpler game or even on par. I'd say it's more complicated. If you're a board gamer, which is mostly your audience, Marty, who is a new hotness guy, this ain't the right way for you to go because you're not going to buy this, play it once and then have fun. This is a game that you want to get yourself invested in. You want to sit down and you want to work mm -hmm. on this game. You want, you got to assemble minutes. You got to paint minutes. You don't got to paint them, you don't have but to, like yeah, yeah. painting is really part of the fun. Right. And then you got to build a crew and then you got to get a buddy who gets, who wants to invest too and build his own crew. And then you got to be there like a, like a, like a legacy game. It's just a legacy game right here. Right. You're right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. This is a legacy game. game to game. Things are changing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and you're forcing those changes. So, you're not going to get out of it what you want if you're just going to play this game once or twice and then put it on the shelf and buy something new. Hopefully you're not that way, Joe. It's going to reward repeated plays. This is a game that at the end of it, you're going to feel a sense of mastery because you're not going to get all the rules in that first pass. You're going to be yeah, looking yeah. things up. It's going to be your second, third game. You're like, okay, I'm starting to understand exactly what I'm playing here and all the different options of things I can dig into. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I think this, if, if Joe, you're the type of gamer that likes to really 
pick up a game. Like it's it's an expensive game. You know, you're looking at 120, 130 MSRP, something up there, plus the gang war book, you know, so you gotta spend some money on this one. But if you're someone that really likes to sink their teeth into a game, if you've got a buddy to play with and you guys really just like to dive in and explore a game, there's a lot there's a lot of game to explore here. You know, like I, I agree with you, Jim. If you want to dive in and move on to the next hotness, you know, move on go board game to board game, it's not that kind of game. No. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna get if you can dive in, get invested in this game a little bit get into the character customization, get into like some terrain building stuff, maybe build your own terrain, maybe buy some terrain, all that stuff. Like you can really go nuts. You could, you know, put a table in your basement or your game room and make your own custom, you know, Necromunda terrain area. It's like model railroading. You got to play a game on it. Dude, exactly. Yeah. You can, if you, you don't, you don't have to do that either. You can play with just what's in the box and you got a lot of game there. I think there's some decent stuff right in the box, but um, definitely a game that has a lot of longevity. Just, you can really sink your teeth into and play for a long time. It's definitely a, a lifestyle game, uh, which is a term I like to use. Where, like you said, Jamie, you're not going to play once and then you're going to be done with. That's the case. Don't even spend 130 bucks. It's something you want to jump into. You do have to find a friend. Another thing I think is important too. You just you're going to some of these models who you're going to play with. So hopefully you can get somebody else that can get the bug. The nice thing about the Necromunda starter box is everything's in there for two players. Yeah, yeah. So all it takes is you buy it and get somebody else to play it. Uh, and you're set and everything that is you need in there i think that's an advantage over something like 40k or age of sigmar where it's like get the base box oh but that's only like 900 points i mean you're gonna have to go over <laughs> here and you maybe you want to yeah. buy the start collecting they start collecting box and get into this but if you want to dip your toes in, into a miniatures game and get a full miniatures experience with a full rule set but the expense is really just kind of paying for that uh, a initial gang without having to invest so much money in so many models, this might be the way to go. And this is the thing I opened up with said the thing I kind of had an issue with with games workshop before is because their stuff was so expensive and it was so hard to get into, but they have, they have changed on a dime and I, I love games workshop. Now I used to be very much privateer press, but they've, they've done some things that I, I've not been happy with, with Mark three and everything like that. And I've, I've turned and I've become a games workshop because now they've provided me this full experience with 40 K if I've won it. They provided this really cool little card miniatures game with shade spire here down here at the bottom, which really fills a niche for me. And somewhere in the middle is this Necromunda right. that I think that hits that sweet spot of just getting into the hobby just enough to be able to do the assembly, the painting and have a rich rule set and campaign system that if you want to move into something of bigger with a lot more models of 40K, it's there. If not, you can just stay right there in the middle. And from what we've heard, I'm kind of looking around the room to see if anybody has heard anything, the future of this game, I'm not sure how fast they're going to come out with, with gangs. I know with this initial pre-order, they have a lot of stuff out there. They have terrain that you can order and extra cards you can order. 2018, I believe they're supposed to be releasing the other four houses or gang types that were in the original game. So I don't know how soon that's going to happen, but probably relatively soon, I would think. But that's good. So they're not flooding the market with a brand new model right. every week, which if you go and look at their pre-orders for game workshops for like 40K, it's like there's a new model coming out every week or two, right? But you want to look yeah. at this one from the standpoint of like Blood Bowl, which came out recently, you know, last mm-hmm. year. Right, right. And Blood Bowl came out with, what is it now, five teams, uh, I believe. And... They were pretty quick to bring those out in like maybe one a month or, you know, maybe a two a month or something for a good while. Then they stopped. There's still more teams to come, but they took a break. Right. So I think they do a good job of putting things out for these boxed games like that, because I want more. I, mean, I, I, want, I want those other games yeah, yeah. out yeah. now. There's a couple of games I'm up. waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. And 
they can take a break and then come back with their accessories and their extra sure. like fluffy gangs that they might put out here and there. But they, they're pretty good at coming out with things so you're not waiting another full year for something cool to come out. Yeah, I'm hoping they follow that Blood Bowl model because that means Me probably first quarter to eight, 2018, at least, we'll be seeing at least one or two more gangs. Hopefully. For sure. Rodney, are you by chance going to be doing anything with the game, maybe showing how it's played or anything like that? I don't have any current plans. There might be some video footage I put up of games in session, maybe a gaming report or something like that, or talking about a little bit on one of our live shows. But right now, this game came at a time my schedule is already really full. <laughs> but I do hope on a personal level just to enjoy it for myself at the very least. And I know there's a lot of videos. Another one thing I love about Games Workshop, their YouTube channel is just full of videos coming out constantly how to paint these games how to assemble them how to assemble yeah assembling tips and everything uh, uh tips and and tricks for playing not only this game but all their other games they have uh live tournaments now that you can watch on their twitch channel i enjoy tuning in on thursdays and watching their shade spire games they have people uh talking about those commentate uh, comment uh, commentating commentating commenting Commentate. They're commentators on the game of Shadespire as they play and giving you tips and everything you like that. Cool check. Let's get rid of bottle out of here. <laughs> Speaking of bottling out, we actually need to wrap this up because we have got to get on the road to PAX Unplugged. That's right. We're going to be All heading right. down to Philadelphia yeah, for the next several days. And on our next episode, uh, everybody, uh, I will be telling you about the experiences that I've had and the experience of staying here with Jamie at these mm -hmm. PAX Slumber parties right. for the past couple days have been <laughs> incredible we've played the new mansions of madness um expansion oh, so streets of arkham so that was great and we won we sure did. Yeah, that was cool we played a lot of great games we've ate a lot of food so oh food. my god oh. so much food <laughs> roll me out of here <laughs> and, and we're not done because we're going to philadelphia and, and jamie says oh wait do you see the food they have over here in philadelphia <laughs> so i'm excited about that marty's insatiable like i'm done I know, right and he I, just can't stop he was <laughs> What? So the, you want to go to the, all the new restaurants? I'm ready to just lay down. <laughs> I know. Good. You got to eat small portions so you can okay. enjoy a lot of different things. <laughs> right. Before we get around here, let's just go around the room and find out where you can find everybody. Matt, where can we people can find you? Uh, you can find our videos at youtube.com slash board game replay. Jamie. All right. You can find the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast and all our other podcasts at thesecretcabal.com or on iTunes. And we also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thesecretcabal. And Rodney. You can find me at youtube.com slash watch it played. And I like to goof around on Twitter at watch it played. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's roll up out of here and let's go to PAX Unplugged. Okay. So it sounds like this is something I would be very interested in, but I'm a bit confused. And here's what I'm confused on. Wasn't Necromunda in the Chronicles of Riddica? Riddick. I never saw Chronicles of Riddick. You never saw? You mean I've seen a cult classic you've never seen? I know, I know. And it is a cult classic, and I don't know why I haven't seen it. I think Triple X. Triple X. Triple X? Where wow. is that? <laughs> I was thinking of... <laughs> Like, is he Vin cool? Diesel played the character Triple X, and I didn't think of Vin Diesel. I thought of Triple X. Wow, that's that's really mm. weird. And because Vin Diesel was in, I thought, oh, it can't be that good. And all of a sudden, it's like one of the best recent sci-fi movies recently. I need to go check it out. But you're saying Necromunda's in there? I guess. I don't, you know me, I don't pay a lot of attention. I'm watching a movie to be entertained, not to relive everything oh, about boy. it. So anyway, yeah, so yes, I'm excited for this. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, especially you survived the mystery van tour of the great New England states as you made it to PAX Unplugged. Can't wait to hear more about PAX Unplugged. Portal has some incredible
incredible stuff coming out in 2018. If you haven't heard about these announcements, check it out. Robinson Crusoe is going to have a new expansion called the uh, Lost City of Z coming out. Also, there's going to be a companion app like First Martians has. Imperial Settlers has an expansion coming out. Alien Artifacts has an expansion coming out. And if you like Tides of Time, you'll soon be able to play it on an app. All of those is makes is going to make Portal yet twenty in twenty eighteen yet another great year. Ignacy, I, I I just don't know how you have time to sleep. You're doing so much. So make sure to keep an eye out for more announcements from Portal and when these games will be coming out in twenty eighteen. And you could do that by going and checking out portalgames.pl. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Even though Halloween is over, there's a new game I got to check out during Halloween and have played several times that I really enjoy. And it's a game from Greater Than Games called Fate of the Elder Gods, which is designed by Chris Kirkman of Dice Hate Me, Richard Launius, and Daryl Louder. Now, in this game, this is a area control game and a little bit of dice rolling uh, mechanics is built into it. But I love the theme of it, Tony, because what it is, typically in Arkham Horror themed games, which is this is, you're playing as an investigator trying to save the world. This kind of turns that on its ear, and you're playing a cultist uh, who worships an elder god, and your whole purpose is to get one of those ancient ones into this realm by conjuring it and and ripping open a space-time continuum and letting it come through and devour the earth. And each person is worshiping their own god, and it's a race to see who can do that first. Or it's to make sure those pesky investigators don't put enough uh, elder signs on us to end the game before we have a chance to do so. Now, at first, when we were playing this game, I'll admit, Marty was looking at me and goes, you're not having a lot of fun over there, are you? And I'm like, hmm, it's taking way too long. But I started thinking about it on the drive home, Marty. I was like, okay, Fate of the Elder Gods. What was it that I wasn't enjoying? And I think it's the same thing that all the Arkham games have for me. It's all the stuff you got to read. I think after you've played this game multiple times, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. This is a very good game, an enjoyable game. Once you get past knowing all the text and knowing what you need to do. I think it would move so much quicker if we knew all the gates and knew what we had to do and we just got through it because the mechanics were very simple in this game. But for me, it kind of drug on. But I think, put it back on the table. Let's go again. Let's keep playing this thing. And I think I would enjoy it more than I did the first time I played it. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm pretty darn sure I would enjoy it more. I like the resource management of this game. On this board, there there's six locations that you can go when you have these spells in your hand and and you play a spell on the color section that you want to go to and and you move the the fate figure, which is a nice looking figure, over to this area, put an investigator in that location, and you get to do that ability. And it could be getting magic cards, it could be getting artifacts, it could be attempting to put a seal on the board, or it's getting more of your uh, cultist out of the abyss into your lodge so that you can deploy them. And if you have three or more guys in an area and you have the most, you have area control, which gives you special abilities. I I agree, Tony. You have to remember what each of those locations do, but it's the idea of doing it in a correct manner so you can have enough dudes over here at this one area to try and do all this with the purpose of trying to move your summoning token around uh, to nine before, you know, the investigators 
infiltrate your lodge and then you have to do roll-offs on that to see if they put any elder signs on you but then tony there's some stick it to on on this game too i mean cultists aren't going to be nice to each other did you not uh, enjoy the element of like oh guess what you're cursed and you don't know what the curse is but and when it triggers somebody will let you know that something bad happened to you or oh oh i'm going to kill off some of your dudes and stuff like this so it does have some of that take that element to it did you uh, like that part yeah i liked it i didn't feel that it was very mean or anything it was just part of the game, especially the curse was interesting. In the fact that, okay, so I'm concentrating on where I'm going to go and what cards I need to play. And yet I got to remember that your curse, which I'm holding that card. So I got to be triggered. So I'm over there constantly counting how many dudes you got on the board. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of neat. Like I said, let me play this again. There's something there that I initially missed, but I think I would really enjoy this game once I get to know all the text. I've played it multiple times, and the first, even after the first play, I enjoyed it. Granted, you do have to constantly read, all right, when I go to that area, what does the area do again? It's like, wait a minute, I need to do this. Which area did that? So there's some memorization. Eventually, you, you kind of memorize it, but the, the uh, board looks great. The art looks great. The figures look fantastic. It's, it's top-notch production by Greater Than Games. So if you one Arkham Horror game that kind of turns it on its ear from Richard Launius and, and those other great designers, Kirkman and Louder, then you ought to check this out because the idea of playing as a cultist uh, is really cool. And plus the multiple ways for it to end, uh, with for the game to end, is really kind of neat too, to steal a word from Tony. That's again, Fate of the Elder Gods <laughs> from Greater Than Games. Five minute initiative is complete. I got a question for you real quick. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We played Sidereal Confluence, and then we followed it up with Sentry. Yes. As kind of a palate cleanser. A palate cleanser? Okay, interesting you say it that way. Well, I think of it kind of like what we did, you know, you have to clean the palate so we could tell the difference. And, you know, I talked about they're both, and Emerson has even mentioned this, you know, Century was a big spreadsheet for him. Uh, Yeah, because he had to do, he had to figure out how the cards worked as far as the the cards for upgrading and downgrading everything and make sure that, uh, I guess each cube has a value to it, right? So you Mm -hmm. make sure that the cards are all balanced. When we played the two, so my question to you is, did you, were you like, okay, these are two completely separate games or they're close enough that one's way lighter than you know you know what i'm trying to get to you which did you oh you know i didn't even put those two together tony you're right those two aren't somewhat kind of similar aren't they and then the fact that you're getting cards which are kind of synonymous to the machines mm-hmm. in in a confluence for the goal of playing this card and transferring these cubes into other cubes that I can use to basically meet the requirements to get victory points. Yep. Wow. You, you hit on something I didn't even think of. I guess that is if, if you take, if you've played century road and then explode it like 10 times, add a way many more cubes and way many more cards, I guess it's kind of something like that. Yeah. But it was the same thing of, okay, I've got to get the engine from the certain cards. I mean, Yeah. I guess my point is that if you enjoy Century, then you should definitely check out Confluence. Okay. <laughs> hold on. It's, um, hold on. Let me hear it again. Sidereal. Uh, just, let's just call it Confluence. <laughs> let's just call it SC. Let's just call it SC. I call, well, that's StarCraft. <laughs> but if we yeah. just call it, if you type in Confluence at BGG, guess what comes up? That's the first one. Oh, really? Mm hmm. Nice. What was hey, this past one? Yeah. What? Another what? game we uh, we got. To, what? Just chill out. 
another game that we played that we didn't talk about is Whistle Stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game from Bezier Games. We had Ted Osbach on a few episodes ago. Uh, this was a game that was limited release at Gen Con. He had some at Essen, and it's supposed to come out in December. Uh, they sent us a copy for us to check out. Tony, uh, you played it. You uh, brought it to, uh, to me. Uh, you taught us, and, and we've played it. And the reason why we didn't talk about it is because, and we're excited to announce, that we are going to be guests on the Blue Peg, Pink Peg gaming podcast later on this year. And this is a game that us and the pegs are going to review together. So basically I could record about what, 30 seconds and be done. (laughs) I'm not going to get any words in it. I know better. I've listened to their show. Rob's going to get all hyper up. Christine's going to have to bring him down. Patrick's going to have to bring common sense to the ranks. And then, you know, and then you're going to talk about the rules, rules, rules. And then I'm just going to sit here and go, yep, I liked it. <laughs> now, is, maybe that, I wonder if that's part of the reason why Jeremy left. He just couldn't like, fine, I'm out of here. Yeah. If you're not going to let me talk, why do I even have to waste two hours? That makes no sense to me. My gosh. But anyway, we're super excited uh, to Yeah, go we're real the- excited about this. this is- <laughs> oh, wow. There's, what did you say? Am I throwing shade again? Sure, you're throwing shade. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah, so we're, we're okay. I'm excited uh, to make an appearance uh, uh, with those guys and lady over there as they're looking to fill in that fourth seat. I think they're doing. Um, interviews or auditions, right? Are you going to audition for it, Tony? Heck no. I got a full-time gig unless you got something else planned for me. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I, uh, I, I so wait a minute. Hold on. There's a fourth what? seat. So we got half a cheek on each seat? A half a cheek each. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm excited to be on this show. I'm. This is going to be a blast because Rob and I had a blast when we did the um, charity event at Gen Con. That we, he and I were just having a Big old time, and I, I appreciate everything that he did to keep me on track there. I, I think I was trying to throw him more off track than vice versa. So yeah, I'm, here, I'm, I'm here's the problem: is we're going on to a show where these guys are like improv specialists. You know, those two guys used to do like improv and stuff together, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you and I are just a bunch of um, hosers, to use a Canadian term. Um, we're t- uh, two goofball engineers who barely can speak a word of English correctly, which is why I had to go back and always listen to when I wanted to pronounce. Oh, no, I got to hear it again. Sidereal. Sidereal confluence. Oh, and then sentient. Yeah, of, of course. Sinti. See, me say it again. <laughs> So I'm kind of intimidated to go on here because they're going to be quick-witted and back forth all over the place. And I'm just going to be, yeah, that was a good one, Rob. Well, oh, Patrick, that was a good Oh, Christine, that was pretty funny. Yeah, but then again, you also got to come up with a music fact like they do so you can battle that. <gasps> yes, actually, they're putting the pressure on us. We have to come up with the opening uh, fact. Boring fact, you know, 1966, the top three. Anyway, no, 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 no. It's, uh, you know, they have their contest now to where basically the fact is tied to some little bit oh. within the show, and you have to tie the two together. And whoever does it first wins, I don't know, a, a, a Rob sock or something. I, I don't know what, what it is. Okay. Yeah. I'm so far behind on listening to everything because. The house sold, Marty. I am in serious pack mode. Our game day, that was it. Done. Boom. Here we go. It's time to put it all in boxes and get it ready to move out the 
door here. I cannot believe that. Oh, man. Well, good. Well, I hope uh, you have uh, everything set up by the next time we record in your new studio or wherever you're going to be. I'll be coming over to your house. Uh, that's fine with me. We'll do this. We'll do it live. And be together for our fifth year anniversary. Yes. Uh, one of the episodes <laughs> in December, we think it's the latter, will be our fifth anniversary episode where uh, I don't know what we're going to be doing, Tommy. I know we've got a great prize lined up. We got that lined up this week that you, you peoples will want to uh, want to hear about because we're excited. It's our biggest giveaway yet that, that we're excited to do. And as always, Tony, I'm sure, sure we'll have some sort of survey as one way to enter into that contest. You love your surveys. Yep. Love my surveys. Got to get them out there. Wait, so you mean that thing that we got that email about was not for me? It was not for you. So do not take advantage of that. Empty cart. Empty cart. Empty cart. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You will definitely want to stay tuned for that. I don't know. One of the ways you're going to have, we always like to do this multiple ways of entry. Obviously the survey will be one, but one of them is our BGG guild. All you have to do is go to our board game geek guild at one, five, eight, nine. All you have to do is like it, hit subscribe or whatever. Join is join guild. You are automatically entered because we'll take all the names of our guild and throw them in there and they get one entry into this contest. I can't make it any easier if you don't want to have to deal with surveys or anything. So please go do that at one, five, eight, nine. Uh, Tony, we got uh, a couple big things coming up in December, right? We've got the blue peg, pink peg. We got our fifth anniversary and then it's just the holidays around the corner. You better be drinking a lot of uh, Coke Zero Zero Sugar. And we also have a game that's coming up that it was delayed in release, but you and I are going to play Fog of Love. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, this was uh, actually going to be a. It's going to be in big box stores, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be in Walmart. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come out in December. So we're going to be talking about Fog of Love. Marty and I are going to see if we're compatible. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> That sounds uncomfortable. That's right. Now, and you mentioned, you know, fifth anniversary. We don't know what date it is or anything like that. Isn't that how it always is? I mean, I got married on February 29th just so I could remember the date. Uh, yes, that that's true. And we're trying to get a, a big, big thing ready to announce for our uh, fifth anniversary. So you'll definitely want to come back for that. And Tony, and I are excited about it. It's actually something that we've been working on, Tony, what, since the spring? Forever. Yeah. Uh, we can't wait to talk to you about this and we're excited so tony i think that's it that's going to wrap this up thank you everyone for listening and tony keep rolling dice and taking names thanks for listening everybody please come join our bgg guild at 1589 like us on facebook Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, and please leave us a positive review on iTunes. E-E-O. We're doing our outro, and I'm trying to come up with something funny. <laughs> Tony got in trouble. Tony got in trouble. <laughs> Hey, Marty, Nick just got back from Essen, and he's filling those Essen mule service. Is that what a mule sounds like? Or...
I don't, I don't know what moose sounds like. No, that's a donkey. No, I don't know what they sound like. Anyway. Is a mule half donkey, half horse? Yes. And only a certain way can it work. So, and I forget what that is. <laughs> only a certain way. Yeah, because you got to have, a, it's either a female horse and a male donkey because I or don't vice think it versa. can be vice versa. I can't, I don't know. You, you live in the country. You should be able to know this. Anyway, back to fun again. Fun again has returned from Germany and they have brought back all those games that people have pre-ordered. Well, you know, Nick did not waste his shipping. He brought back more than he had originally sold. So guys, go out there. Check out what he brought back. He's got it up on the website. Take a look. There may be some game that we wouldn't get here in the States until late 2018. Funagain.com already has it. Once again, funagain.com. <laughs>